You are tuning in to the Live, Play, Work series, a collaboration with AtChat from the Independent Living Centre of WA and Visibility. We'll be using the term assistive technology, sometimes referred to as AT. AT is any equipment, device, aid or system enabling a person with a disability more independence. Hi, you're with Danielle Loisu-Lake from the AtChat team at the Independent Living Centre WA, and we are here live at the Visibility Radio On Demand studio, recording the assistive technology Live, Play, Work series. In the studio with me today, I have the lovely Karen, an OT from Visibility. Hi, Danielle. Thank you. And Zell, an expert assistive technology user who is also a member of the AtChat team. Hi, Danielle and everyone listening. Okay, the first series that we are going to start off with is the Live series. And in Live, we are focusing on You Are Invited. Yes, you can host a dinner party, evening drinks, or a barbecue at home. Not convinced? I've got the ladies in the studio here that are going to help us to help you become the perfect host or hostess. The first question we have today is from Gail, and Gail would like to know what is the essential must-have AT for the kitchen? Before we start with that, though, I might just give you a little bit of background about Karen and Zell because they might provide slightly different answers to these questions based on their backgrounds. Let's start with you, Karen. Yes, so I'm actually an occupational therapist here at Visibility, and I've been here for uh, just over five years now in a variety of roles, primarily in occupational therapy home visiting, so going out to people's houses and help them find solutions to some of the functional issues that they're having and providing either tech solutions or different strategies to help them be more independent or safe in those areas, as well as more recently I've been working in our assistive technology department here, helping people using more advanced technology solutions to, again, help them be more independent and be able to do the things they need and want to be able to do in the day. Thanks, Karen. And you have a focus on low vision impairment? Um, I work with people who are low vision or blind, but a lot of what I'll talk about today is focusing more on people with low vision, but across both, really. Okay, thank you. And Zell, if you can give us a little bit of your background, please, and why you are considered an expert assistive technology user. Thanks, Danny. So I come in quite handy. I think we'll complement one another with Karen because I've been, well, I'm born blind and so have been blind all my life and don't know life in any other way. So a lot of my responses are going to be for people who are totally blind and don't have any sight to verify anything that they're doing. So what's my background is that I have my own business now. It's a disability consultancy called Inclusive World. And I do a lot of disability awareness trainings, a lot of project work. And I was fortunate to become part of the AtChat project last year and uh, have been very excited to be part of the whole initiative from the start. Great. And for those of you that don't know, AtChat is a peer-led initiative where people with disabilities share information and advice on what assistive technology can help you live, play and work. So getting back to our first live question about being the perfect host or hostess, Gail's question, ladies, 
was what is the essential must-have AT for the kitchen? And if we can start with you, please, Karen. All right. Um, yeah, so when I go into someone's house to work with them in the kitchen, one of the first things I will always look at if there's somebody with low vision is the lighting in the house and particularly in the kitchen. So we will look at the type of light, the positioning of the light, the amount of light, glare, those sorts of things to try and assess and then make recommendations on how to change those things to optimize the light in the room to maximize the remaining vision that that person has. And the reason that it's a really important thing is it's one of those underlying things that can actually impact multiple tasks in the kitchen. So if you've optimized the lighting, you might be able to find things easier. You might be able to increase the contrast of what food you're chopping versus the color of the chopping board. So it's just a an overarching sort of umbrella intervention that can help in different yeah. specific tasks. Right. And you had a nice little tip here about um, the use of a desk lamp, which is a very cost-effective way to optimise lighting. Yeah, so if you're not able to, not everyone's able to go and just overhaul the lighting in their house. So a simple solution could be to just use a standard desk lamp because that allows to have direct focused lighting on the task that you're particularly working on. So for example, we've got people that sometimes will just pop a desk lamp with a good bright light onto their bench top and they'll use that for chopping up vegetables when they're preparing their meal, but then they might be able to swivel and move that to look up the step in their recipe. Um, so it's it's versatile enough that it's multi-purpose and you can again use it across different tasks, but not an expensive solution, I yes. suppose. Great. And we like assistive technology that's not always expensive that you can just go down to your local Bunnings or um, Kmart to purchase. So thanks for that one. Zell, you've got a different perspective here on the essential AT for the kitchen. Now, can you share those with us, please? Yeah, sure. So my three essentials are the pen friend, the Be My Eyes app and the Foreman's Grill. But I'll talk about the pen friend first because labelling is a big problem for all of us who are vision impaired or blind. We need to be able to tell what the products are, but the labels that come with the products from the shop are really, really small, even for people with a vision impairment. For me, whatever size it is, I'm not going to read it. So so that's where the pen friend is very handy for you. That's right. So tell us how the labels work with the pen friend. You So the pen friend is a pen-like device that you can use to record information. So you point the pen to a sticker, record the information, and it goes automatically onto that particular sticker that you're pointing at. Then you can stick that sticker onto anything to label it. So I use it for my spices, for my flour jar, biscuit jar, whatever jar yeah, I have. Because you certainly don't want to mix the salt and the sugar. That never results in a in a good baked product at the end. It doesn't, and <laughs> I have done things like that. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not vision impaired and I've done that, so uh, it could be helpful for many of us. Yes, yeah, so, but I also use it in uh, other places besides from the kitchen as well. So one of the really great areas that I use it in is for appliances. So, for example, I have a a washing machine which has buttons and a dial turn. So the buttons usually have one function and each button has a sticker next to it, very close to it. So I can point the pen friend to that sticker and it will tell me what that particular button does, like the start button and the power on button. And... 
Zell, I'm thinking that once you've set these things up and you get the hang of it, then you won't need it after a while. But then if you forget, you can bring the pen friend back and remind yourself of what button does what. Absolutely. Yeah. But the more interesting thing I find is that the dial turn, for example. So I had a friend go through the dial and record what the programs are in position using the clock face. Yes. To one o'clock, two o'clock, yeah. three o'clock. So for example, at one o'clock, I have the light wash. At three o'clock, I have the heavy wash for things like sheets and towels. And so the first light wash goes for one, one hour and 45 minutes and the heavy wash is for two hours. And sometimes it's important to know things like that if you're running out of time and things like that. So I found that it's all well and good, but I don't use all the programs on that dial, but I might one day. So then I can just take out my pen friend, point it to the label on the dial, and it will tell me exactly what the programs are in various positions of the dial. And you can use that on a dishwasher. You could use that on a microwave, on the oven. So many ways that you could use the pen friend. Have you got an idea of uh, how much this sort of assistive technology would cost, Karen? My understanding is it's around $250. And then if you wanted to purchase additional labels, you can do so. And I think you can even get washable labels. So you can label clothes and wow. things like that too. That's right. That's, yeah. that's pretty high tech. And so we would consider the pen friend high tech because it has some technology that's been built into it. And sometimes with high tech can come a bit more of a price. Have you, Karen, got an example of a low tech option where we can identify things around the kitchen? Absolutely. So another one of my go-to things in the kitchen and other areas, but essentially around what Zell was talking about, appliances and controls. Often there's multiple settings and you don't necessarily need to use all of them to be able to heat your meal for five minutes, for example, on a microwave. So one thing we use a lot in the kitchen is what we call tactile markings. So when someone is unable to read or see visually those controls, they can actually feel. And we use different things with different textures. Sometimes it's Velcro, sometimes it might be puff paint, Sometimes it's actually a little jelly bump sticker. We call them bump-ons. I'm not sure if it's a technical term or one we've just adopted. So yeah, we use tactile markings a lot on controls in the kitchen so that someone can have the confidence that they're pressing the right button or setting the temperature correctly on the oven. So we might put a marking on 180 because that's where a lot of, or 160 if that's where a lot of baking is done. And then again on 220 so that someone can then, if that's where lots of frozen meals are cooked or something like that, and then anywhere they've got that marking for anywhere in between and that guideline. And what would the cost of setting up a kitchen with some tactiles be? Not very expensive. I think you could you could probably do it for about 10 bucks and you might be able to even find things around the house that are that you can sacrifice yeah. and chop up and make your own own tactile markings out of. Tell me about the way that you upcycle things like <laughs> elastic bands. We get these elastic bands around our veggies sometimes. What is your great tip with those? Absolutely. So using a rubber band to differentiate between two products that feel quite similar is a really simple solution. So for example, salt and pepper, um, you might just pop a rubber band around one and then it's just a matter of, or if in your fridge you've got a jug of juice next to the carton of milk and maybe they're quite similar size or containers that you might just put a, a rubber band around one of them to help you differentiate between those products. Yes. Excellent. Improvisation. I love it. Now, Zell, can you please tell us about your Be My Eyes app and how you would use that to be the perfect host or hostess? So Be My Eyes is quite a new app. I think it came out towards the end of last year. And it's where 
people around the world volunteer to be someone's eyes. So I can use the app and connect to anyone around the world who speaks English at any time and ask them, for example, what a label is or what colour something is. Great. So you could use that to, if, if there was something in your pantry that you weren't sure what it was. And when you were telling me about this, Zell, you said, if I take a photo, I often don't get the photo right. So tell us how the Be My Eyes app overcomes issues like that. Yes. So what we used to do before was use apps like TapTapSee, where you'd take a photo of the product, say a can, and then it will read out to you what that can is. If you position the can and the camera in the right direction. Which doesn't always happen for you, Zell, I think you said. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sometimes it takes me, you know, half an hour to find out what a can is yeah. because I have to try different positions all the time yeah. and so on. So I find that really, really annoying. I've got friends who use it and love it, but I'm not one of them. doesn't work for you. So, so the thing I really love about Be My Eyes is that I can show them a can and because it's a live person at the other end, they can tell me how to position that can. So move it to the right a bit, move it up, move it down and then I can... So correct me if I'm wrong, this is on a video type environment. So, so it's, it's a live? video call, yes, live video perfect. call, yes. And then they can tell me what it is. But if I need more information, I can ask for that and they'll be able to read further into... Great. what the label says. And I'm quite surprised, actually, that they can see uh, so much detail in the label, given that I imagine the writing on a lot of these cans and products is very small. Yeah, great. And how often would you use this Be My Eyes app? Oh, I would use it probably almost every day if I was cooking. Great, <laughs> if you were cooking. <laughs> and is there always someone available, Zell? I've never had any trouble with great. not having anyone available. It's really interesting. I've spoken to people in India, parts of Europe. I spoke to even someone in Australia. It's a, it's a volunteer <laughs> system, right? So any yes. sighted person can just sign up and, yeah. and yeah. volunteer. Yeah, Fantastic. Yes. And is there a cost for the Be My Eyes app? No, it's free. We love free technology. So We do. Thank you for that one. So some people might be interested in downloading the Be My Eyes app and giving that a go. It sounds, sounds like it works. Now, Karen, I think you've got another app that you would like to suggest. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've, I had trouble picking just one essential item for in the kitchen, uh, but I do think that um, the whole smartphone and tablet tablet type technology and apps are just really making their way and there's more and more options out there. So one, um, similar to how Zell was explaining the PenFriend as a labeling type system for product identification, there's an app called Eli and you can actually... Can you spell that for us, please? It's just E-L-I. Right. Um, and it's a free app to download, uh, but you do need to purchase then little barcode type labels. So it essentially uses the smartphone or your camera to be a barcode reader. Yes. And in the same way that you can program different steps to something or different type of product and, and you would yeah, label label them to then identify what your items are in your pantry or I'm not sure how long the recording can be. Yes. Um, that's something that I'm not aware of just yet. And do you have any idea of the cost of the barcode labels for the 
free Eli app? I believe it's $20 for 100 labels, but not washable. <laughs> I, don't, okay. I don't think anyway. Excellent. So we've got some good options there of how we can identify things accurately in the kitchen because that's the first step to allowing us to prepare a dinner party um, in the correct way so we don't have any surprises or things not tasting the way they should. So thank you, ladies. Now, just quickly before we move on to the next question, Zell, tell us why you love the Foreman's Grill and why you use that so much in your kitchen. The Foreman's Grill is virtually a sandwich maker, but you can grill your meats and everything else that needs to be grilled, like samosas, uh, although it flattens samosas a bit, but still. So the main thing is you put it in the grill, you put the lid down and it cooks, and you don't have to worry about turning it over. Mm -hmm. It cooks both sides. Yes, so you don't have to worry about not getting things in the right spot. You just shut it and go. That's right. And so I'm not afraid of burning myself so much. Mm -hmm. But the issue with turning things over that I worry about is that I might not be able to find everything that I've put in that pan uh -huh. to turn over. So okay. there might be some things that are left that haven't been turned over. And so they could burn. Right. They won't be cooked properly. Yeah. But I don't have to worry about any of that when I've got the foreman's grill. And it's fairly easy to clean as well. Okay. And if you put a plate under it or a tray under it, all the oils go onto the tray mm -hmm. and you don't have to worry about oil spilling everywhere either. Okay. Thanks, Sal. Very useful information, ladies. Now, our next question is from Stephanie. Is there any device that can help to make portion sizes the same, for example, when serving a cake? Let's start with you, Karen. Any ideas on that one? Um. Yeah, a couple, uh, I, I suppose. Um, it, it would depend on a variety of different things. The shape of your cake might impact the strategy that you're able to implement, um, but you might be able to use a large print or a tactile ruler uh, to help you identify if you had, a say, it's a rectangular-shaped cake to help you sort of mathematically approach uh, <laughs> how, how to portion out. So if you knew the total length of your cake, you can yes. then divide that in half and then in half again. You'd have um, to be very determined, though, I would think, to I spend would the imagine, time. I would imagine so. So you've got a nice little tip here um, that might save you any of that to still have lovely portions. Absolutely. I would go with cupcakes um, <laughs> personally, but if you want a little bit of a variety, you know, there's different options of tins that you can get. There's mini loaf tins as well mm -hmm. that, are, that are available. So it might be a little bit different than just your standard cupcake if you're hosting that party and wanting it to just have that little bit of flair, I suppose. Yes. Um, and then you can also get, and I've not used one myself, but I really want to get one. It's uh, called a portion Scoop. So right. it essentially measures the amount of batter or dough if you were doing other baking or ice cream even to have a nice even sized scoop. It, yeah, and you can get that, I believe, at most baking stores. So not necessarily so a piece of... So it's a low-tech option? Yeah, it, it would be a mainstream product that right. would just help you portion out the exact size scoop. And that would be uh -huh. really good for making pancakes and things like that, it, wouldn't it? Yeah, it basically only allows you to get a certain amount of yeah. batter or dough or um, ice cream into into the scoop. So it would be that nice uniform look. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Great. And Zell, you've got a suggestion, which is another low-tech option. And would you like to share the cutter with us? Yeah, so I've just bought this bread slicer cutting guide, which is a device into which you put the loaf of bread in, or any loaf really, and there's a lid, so you put down the lid, and on the lid there are some grooves. So you can cut into the bread using those grooves as a guide. Mm -hmm. 
It's really good if you want to cut neat loaves of bread yes. or neat loaves of cake or something like banana bread. Banana bread is very popular at the moment. And then yes. as, as Karen suggested, you could get a lovely uniform scooper and put a little <laughs> bit of flavoured butter or yeah. ice cream on top. Yeah. The only problem is it's not so great if you're cutting a cake that has a really messy topping like chocolate topping uh-huh. or cream mm. topping because if you put that lid down, uh-huh. that topping is going to ruin. Sure. So it's good for some things but not everything. Okay. Good feedback. Do you have any idea of these uh, slices and how much the cost is? It was $30. Okay. So not I've too seen, bad. I've seen a few options of those uh, cutting guides available and some of them are just quite simple ones that sit on the top, um, even a, a vegetable, and you can use the guides to cut through. Um, they're like a, a wire frame and then you just use the in-between to cut and it helps to get that uniformed size. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, you've got some chopping devices now where you can chop onions quite well into similar sizes. Mm-hmm. You can use cookie cutters if you're making cookies. So there are ways around things. Okay, our next question we're going to move on to is how to, I guess, put a bit of extra fun into your dinner party. And that's from Eric asking, how can I use a tea to help me make cocktails for my guests? Let's start with you, Zell. What ideas have you got on how to make some cocktails? Well. I just purchased a Google Home Mini a few weeks ago. Okay. So I would ask Google how to get the recipe for a particular cocktail and I'll be able to then follow that. Now, in terms of getting good proportions of liquid into your mix, uh, people will say put two tablespoons of of liquid or one teaspoon Mm. of liquid and that for me is really difficult. I can't do it. Because you've got to balance the spoon and get the liquid on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to hold the spoon in a certain way so the liquid doesn't fall oh. off. So what's your workaround for that one, Zell? I just use containers, like cups, measuring cups. Yes. Like a quarter cup, a bit less than a quarter cup could make a tablespoon, maybe a big tablespoon, but still. <laughs> yes. So after, so you've got your measuring cups and you, after a while you figure out what a tablespoon or a teaspoon would translate to in in that cup. So that makes it a bit easier to manage and reduces spillage. Well, I would strongly advise to pour any liquids in the sink, around Mm -hmm. the sink, because I'm very messy and I will (laughs) always spill things and it's much easier to clean the sink than a bench and the floor. Good tip there. Okay, Karen, uh, can you please give us your tip that you've got where you don't actually have to worry about any spoons or anything like that and can still have a bit of fun with some drinks at your party? Um, I absolutely think it could be worth investing in, I think it's called a spirit pourer. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's a a device that attaches to the actual bottle. um, And you'll see it used when you go to a venue for a drink where they'll turn the bottle right upside down and it will automatically measure a shot, yeah, yeah. Wh- whatever the number of ounces or mils or yes. the standard shot amount. Mm-hmm. So that could be an option if you were just wanting to get one for if you had three or four different types of spirits that you could have that. And then yes. if you needed to have two measures of, you know, one particular spirit, you would just have to do that pour twice. Yes. Um, oh, I might have to look into that, <laughs> Karen. 
You might get really good at it, Zell, and start flaring your bottles and spinning them around. (laughs) Everyone will be at Zell's for a party. Um, And then um, a liquid level indicator is something that's commonly used with pouring. So if you also then needed to just top up the glass uh, and you weren't able to necessarily pour and be aware of the where, where when you've reached the top of the glass, mm-hmm. it's just a little gadget that can fit onto the side of the glass. And when the liquid hits it, it makes a noise or it will vibrate for you. Mm-hmm. Different styles of them, but yeah, yes. a liquid level indicator to just top up your mixer, I suppose. <laughs> so a liquid level indicator would help if you were hosting a dinner party and you were preparing drinks. It would help you to do that in quite a professional way, which is what some people are looking for. Now, Zell, would you like to share your tip? It's probably not as professional, but it gets the job done. Yeah, I use my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> when it's not hot, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I like that line. <laughs> yes, so that's a practical way that if you don't have something like that, you, you can just make sure you've got clean hands and, and pop your finger in as you're filling up to know when you're getting to the top. Is that right? That's right. Great. Okay, well, that sounds like fun. But before we move on, I think that Karen, you've got a solution if you if yeah. you can pre-prepare this. How Basically, would you do that? Yeah, I was thinking that maybe if you um, made a jug of cocktails or you you basically um, made a large volume and then you could either, you know, there's quite a few little dispensers and things that yeah. you can get. So it would be a really good party vibe. Yes, I think um, you can get those um, lovely looking big glass, like 20 litre dispensers that sit yeah. in a frame and then you just lift up the... Um, the little nozzle yeah. at the end and it would pour into. So that way, if you wanted to make something in a larger amount, you may might be able to use a larger kitchen appliance, like a talking scale that does liquid measurements. Mm-hmm. And that way you could just make a bulk punch or, or jug Sangria. of cocktails. Yep, something like that. Uh, and that way you're not having to do that throughout the night either. It would just be ready to go and people can help themselves as they need to. Great. That Thank sounds you. amazing. That sounds like lots of fun. I might use that tip. Okay. Uh, the next question that we have is from Frith. And Frith would like to know, do you have any tips for games or ways to entertain my guests? So we might go over to Zell for this one. Zell, how do you entertain your guests with some games? Well, I have some board games. Mm-hmm. So when my nephews come over particularly, we like to play Snakes and Ladders or Monopoly. And... The cards are labelled, so I know in Monopoly what what cards I pick up and I can read them along with the boys. In Braille? In Braille, yes. (laughs) Do you purchase these already with Braille on them? That's right. And the dice are all tactile, so you can tell quite easily what the numbers are. The dice, when you buy them from the shop, they're tactile anyway because you can feel the holes on the dice, but they're not as well marked, so it's not so easy to identify how many holes there are, it takes a bit of time. So these adapted dice have a much better tactile indication of what the number is on the dice. Great. And do most games like Monopoly, uh, I can't think of any others right now. Um, Snakes and Ladders. Snakes and Ladders. Any other? Connect Four. Yeah, okay. We did ask the right person this question. <laughs> do, <laughs> do most of these games come with a Braille option or tactile option and is the cost comparable to a standard option? I, they could be more expensive at times. They're a bigger board and... I think possibly, gee, I can't remember them now. And I I bought them from various different countries as well. Mm -hmm. So my Monopoly board I bought from the UK. I bought the Snakes and Ladders from India. I bought a couple of games from here as well. So (laughs) I can't really 
think about a cost for the games. Maybe th- Karen. Yeah, might know. I think they are a bit more expensive because they're not produced in the same volume that no. a standard board game is. So in the experience that I've had when I'm looking into that for somebody that I'm working with, yeah, they have unfortunately been a little bit more dear than the off-the-shelf one that you might buy from from your Kmart or somewhere like that. And the other thing for me is I'm not sure how much I'm not sure how much a packet of cards would cost now, but I think a packet of playing cards in Braille would cost somewhere close to $20 yes, now. Yes, about that, yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. And the good thing is one of my close friends bought a couple of packets of Braille playing cards last year. So I go to her place very occasionally, but I do it, and we get to play cards <laughs> and I don't have to worry about not bringing mine. Okay, great. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. And one more thing, Zell, you love to use the Google Home, which is an example of universal design in assistive technology where everyone can use it, but it's particularly useful for you when you are hosting a dinner party or a get-together. Can you tell us why? Well, When we have parties, we had a party last year, I think it was last year, and my friend brought her Google Home Mini. And we basically said, hey, Google, play us a song sung by such and such a singer. And it just did it. (laughs) I love it when technology works. I did the same thing a couple of weeks ago at a friend's house and we asked to play Michael Jackson. (laughs) And and we got a full full range of Michael Jackson songs. I think my friend had the Echo. So I've got the Google Home Mini now and I'm still setting it up, but that's what my Mini will do eventually. At the moment, it gives me recipes, it tells me the weather, it sets the timers for me. So if I don't have my phone handy for whatever reason, I just revert to the Google Home Mini and it does almost the same things, maybe a little bit more with the recipes and so on. Yeah, very handy piece of assistive technology there. And you can have a lot of fun with it and you can even get it to tell you jokes. So there's you lots can. of, there's Google Home. You can even get it to sing to you, which you can't do on the, the on Siri. Yes, that's right. So Siri is another option and Alexa as yes. well. Alexa, Echo. Yes. Google Home. The yeah. Google Home that I at a friend's house, she had it, um, and we we played a trivia game with it. So everybody got assigned a, a random name. Somebody was Mullet. Somebody was, <laughs> I don't know, just different funny names. And then it's a it's a trivia question, and you just they they'll ask you what it is, and you have to give the answer to Google Home, and she'll make a funny noise, buzzing noise if you get it wrong, oh. and she'll give you a, a ding if you get it correct, and it keeps track of your points for you. So it's a fun little competition and, um, trivia game as well that everybody can play. Absolutely, that everyone can play. And that's where we love to see uh, assistive technology doing its best work when it's universal and everyone can participate on the same level. And it makes it really, really easy. So if you have a mainstream product, I can say to you, Karen, hey, what was that you were using? What was the game? And then I can play it. When I first started using technology, adaptive technology was made specifically for blind people or whatever uh, disability you have. Yes. And it was great because it gave us access to things like the mobile phone But if the phone broke down and I went to take it to someone, they couldn't fix it because they didn't know anything about uh, screen reading software on phones. They were too scared to fix it. Mm -hmm. And my software was different. It was additional to, you know, it cost me a lot more. Yes. So there was cost issues. There was issues in terms of repairing it. Or if something went wrong, you know, you couldn't take it to just anyone to fix it. And, you know, it was different. You were, it it kind of, you were marked out to be even Mm. more different. Whereas now with uh, the mainstreaming of everything, 
you know, everyone's got the similar, same, same kind of equipment yes. that you have. You can talk about it with anyone. You can get it fixed easily. Yeah. It doesn't cost any more. That's right. And in our work series, uh, the other podcast that we're going to do around assistive technology for work, we'd like to talk a little bit more about that in that scenario, Zell, because I think that in school and work environments, the assistive technology has come a long way to reducing stigma and there's lots of options available. So thank you very much, ladies. We've run out of time on this particular one today. So to our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've picked up some useful and practical information on assistive technology to make you a wonderful host or hostess. Thank you for tuning in to the Live, Play, Work series. Please remember there are many AT solutions to meet individual needs that we have not explored here today. We encourage trial and seeking advice prior to purchasing any assistive technology. We encourage you to contact us and share your experiences.